Hi, this is Dr. E. And this is Dr. Dre. Welcome to our podcast. Mixtape Hope. Welcome to season three. Thanks to all our listeners and guests for two amazing seasons and 26 episodes in a little over a year. Keep listening. We've got so many more tracks and stories to add to this mixtape. So sit back and push play. The best things in life come in pairs. Dave and Sandy Ferrano reflect a true commitment to music, history, culture, class, and especially to each other. We had the unbelievable honor of speaking to someone who witnessed the summer of love, the advent of surround sound, the birth of concert merch, and much more. He lived the momentum of music in Southern California in the late 1960s and has been on the road since. Get cozy as we step into a sacred space, musical nostalgia. There's truly something happening here. Meet the man behind the legendary Winterland venue. Many thanks to Sandy and Dave. Be sure to check them out at a rock and brews near you. Thank you, Dave Ferrano, Sandy Ferrano, for being on Mixtape Ho Podcast. And um, Dre? Yes, coming to us from California. Yes? Yes. Yes, and we are grateful to be here and uh, look forward to this uh, podcast. So yes. exciting. And, and I actually had a difficult time picking one thing to start off as an intro because you seem to have so oh many interests, goodness. so much, such a deep background. I mean, just where to begin? So I, I think I have a suggestion. So because you both are literally in this together and such a beautiful story, I just, I feel like love pouring through the, the screen right now. I do want to start off by thanking uh, Alita Olson, who is... Um, Saying, do you want to fill us in on your yes. roots here in New Orleans oh. and where oh you all God. began in this journey of beautiful marriage down here? Oh, my God. It's uh, just our how how we got married down in New Orleans is crazy. But yes, Alita is my cousin. Uh, I'm a Zollinger through and through born and right, you know, born in New Orleans, went to LSU Um did I send you the bio? You did. I it's did. incredible. I, I love it. it. I love it. I, I just, I wanted you to put those shout outs because, um, yeah. So strong Dave, women. I, I drove out to, uh, California in my GTO right after I graduated from LSU. And after a couple of months from being there, I was an avid tennis player and Dave Ferrano was president of Bill Graham presents at the time. So I'm 24. He's 27. He finds my wallet. He asked me out that night uh, that I meet him for the first time. And we go out that night. And three weeks later, he asked me to marry him. And because, Smart man. And, <laughs> and because I'm a good Catholic girl from New Orleans, you know, my mother would not let us live together. So she's you know dave said well we got to move this we wedding it. up so <laughs> we got married within Smart three man. months and we have been married for yeah 48 years wow incredible i mean just the life the beauty the the youth coming through this this is just yeah y'all are amazing and so, amazing and, and with a connection i mean bill graham of bill graham presents I mean, that is a musical icon for those who don't know i mean he managed the original Fillmore, correct Correct. Oh, Which just was the, uh, and uh, the Fillmore was across the street from Winterland, and it held 700 people. Winterland held 5,000 people. And uh, the, the Summer of Love took everybody by surprise. Hmm. Uh, 1967, uh, if you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear a flower in your ear. And a million yeah. kids came to San Francisco. And uh, they were all looking to go out at night, and uh, the Fillmore couldn't hold them all. So uh, Winterland, we just exploded with, you know, shows one, well, every night we had a show, mm -hmm. and every night we had 5,000 people. Wow. And uh, it, it was incredible. Oh and your God. role at Winterland was managing? I was a manager of the building. And uh, so Bill Graham was a tenant. Okay. And uh, uh, in the in our very earliest uh, relationship, and uh, 
So as the uh, landlord, uh, you know, uh, Bill booked the shows and uh, uh, I at the in, in 1967, I had not gone on the road uh, with uh, the ice follies yet. Uh, it turned out that my three tours uh, with that uh, ice show uh, starring Peggy Fleming uh, wow. is where I learned how to settle the box offices of Boston Garden and Madison Square Garden and Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens, all of the big arenas. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got back to San Francisco, those little bands, the Jefferson Airplane, the Grateful Dead, Big Brother <laughs> and the Holding Company, they had grown up and were not only selling out multiple days at Winterland, they wanted to go on the road. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I was a guy that knew how to take a hundred people from city to city, collect the money, and take them to the next city. Wow. Oh my goodness. And okay, and you all were together at this time. You you were already married? No, so this was before this me. Was before, this was okay. Right before me when he started. Yeah, we didn't get married till 1975. 75. Yes. Okay, so but, yeah. Me, so what about so so your journey together since that like sandy have you always been i mean you're from new orleans right so were was this just a match made in heaven as far as your love of music dave's love of me how did this jump? yeah and just i think more than anything i fell in love with the passion that he has in going to work every day he really did and he loved the music i love the music but then the fact you know what dave said is no one in the world really knew how to take a traveling show on the road. And so it was so perfectly ready when, again, Bob Dylan did wanted to do a world tour mm-hmm. or uh, George Harrison or the Grateful Dead. And he, he had this background from the ice follies, you know, to do it. And so he was that guy, that guy, you know, that didn't do drugs and didn't smoke and had to manage the money. And oh my God, there was a lot of you were. drugs at that time. So he was a sane guy. So how do you coordinate that? Hundred people, a lot of tour buses, any flights? Uh yes. Uh, the the Bob Dylan and uh, band tour uh, in nineteen seventy four. Uh, Bob hadn't toured in 10 years. Uh, uh, and uh, so we were summoned to Los Angeles by this guy named David Geffen. And he had just stolen Bob Dylan from uh, Columbia Records. And uh, I was there with Bill. Uh, we shook hands uh, in David Geffen's house. Uh, Cher Bono was sitting over on the stairs. Uh, wow. Her and Sonny Bono were just recently uh, separated. And and uh, uh, she was going out for a walk. And I'm from a small town in Northern California. So all of these celebrities was a big deal. I'm meeting David Geffen, who was the president of Geffen Records. And he and Elliot Roberts managed Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and Joni Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so it was a big it was a big deal. But there was this brand new newspaper that was just uh, out called USA Today. <laughs> and so when Bill In was, color. when we were flying home, he says, well, how, how do you think we ought to put the tickets on sale? Cause there was no national computerized ticking ticketing company. This was previous to that. So I said, well, pre emails, pre everything. Yeah, yeah, social everything. media. So, you so I said, let's buy. Wow. Yeah, I said, let's buy a let's buy an ad in this new uh, USA Today, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll ask uh, everybody to send in a money order. Is ten? The ticket price was ten dollars. So the money it, uh, order. <laughs> so uh, what happened? And we 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 put a little coupon in the in the ad to mail into your local box office, and what I had to do was call the box office and say, well, how, how are we doing? And uh, Madison square garden said, we have seven sellouts in the, you know, in the drawer, in the box office. Wow. Wow. 
You can't get seven days straight at Madison Square Garden. They've got basketball and hockey and, you know, they, sure. they, and so we ended up uh, basing out of New York and we would go up to Boston and do two shows and then come back and do maybe a show or two at Madison Square Garden. We'd go down to Philadelphia. We'd do a couple of shows down there and then we'd come back to Madison Square Garden. <laughs> so it was a real thrill. Uh, and uh, it, it's where I learned on the Bob Dylan band tour. This is kind of during the Nixon Watergate era. So on the very first show uh during the middle of the show the lyric bob dylan singing and even the president must stand naked the entire audience stands up and lights a cigarette lighter <laughs> and it was wow i was afraid the building was going to burn down because it was just a wall of uh flames but it taught me where humans and our harmonic uh, a harmonic between us all when you when something happens that resonates with all of us you stand up and light up well today you light up your phone your cell phone you, know, right. you hold your phone up and, and maybe with a little candle you know lit inside of it because this happened in every city every city that they toured in without rehearsal and there was no, no one knew no one knew no one knew that that happened in Chicago, and now we're in Detroit, and they all did it again. So huh. humanity wow. having a, a collective consciousness. That's what I was about to say. Collective consciousness. Yes. Collective yes. harmony of harmony. thought. Yep. And, uh, 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 and it's amazed me all these years, and why I bring it up now is uh, it's – it's a powerful thing when we all love something or feel the mm -hmm. same way and we stand together and uh yeah Oh, it is. Uh, so, I'm about oh, to come out of my seat, Dave, because yes, <laughs> everything uh, you're, you're like a walking encyclopedia of oh, gosh, example and knowledge wow. and history. But uh, gosh, where to go? It's like, how has it changed? The StubHub, the new tickets. But I guess going back to Mixtape Hope as music healing and, right. and the importance of, yeah. you know, community and socialization and being there in person. How have you seen that change or has it? Uh, you know, we were, we, and that era was about benefits and about causes. So, uh, we, we did benefits, uh, uh, regularly for causes, you know, rock and roll and the music community when there's a cause and we need to do live aid or we need to do, uh, you know, a, a big event to raise money for, a a city like New Orleans. New Orleans is America's city. America loves New Orleans. And so uh, when, when New Orleans hurts, we all hurt. So, uh, uh, and Sandy and I have been lucky enough to go to Jazz Fest every year for years and years and years. And, uh, uh, and you know, when, when Bruce Springsteen said, hey, we're coming, to help out New Orleans. I toured with Bruce many of his, uh, you know, national and world tours. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded uh, of all of the benefits and causes. I mean, we looked for a cause. If there was a cause, we wanted to go and put on a concert to help them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, and we still Thank do. You. I mean, that goes on, that goes on uh, today. And, Thank uh, you. Thank you for those words. And it, it, it t just touches, you know, we almost a year ago, last year, we were facing another hurricane. And, and not, we don't post often, but one of the Facebook posts at that time was just remembering that Jazz Fest, the first Jazz Fest after Katrina. And there's a picture of Louise holding our oldest, who was a baby at the time six and, months uh, old at the time yeah he's uh 17 now at senior in high school and um that concert was so goosebumps was now Bruce was so Springsteen at jazz fest 2006 oh. it's it just the way the the 
the way the weather was, the way everyone in the crowd, it was the quietest moment that I ever remember at a jazz fest. And him, it was like an anthem. And for us, we were young parents. We still didn't know. We hadn't had jobs yet. We were finishing up training and everyone was saying, get out, you know, it's going to be underwater. And I think something cemented our decision. I think at in that concert was, this is our home. You know, your, your journey has been to bring those moments literally all over the world before there was a time of, you know, all this social media and you can't just pop on something and listen, like, because the feel of live, that's what actually one of the questions here is, um, I credit Luis to introducing me and motivating our family to, to appreciate the live music, like not just, it's wonderful to listen to vinyl in your, in your living room, but that feeling of being with a group of strangers and all, as you, you said the word, harmonizing together, your spirits are in sync. Like, does it still, Sandy Dave, does it still, is it still as fresh and as fun every time you see live music? Oh yes, and it still gives uh, me goosebumps when I uh, see, you know, I just saw Joni Mitchell she played the Newport Jazz Festival, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. She's got to be 80. And, you know, and she just, she hasn't performed in uh, 10 years uh, or more. And, uh, uh, gee, it was just really great seeing her uh, out there. Bob Dylan's out on the road this summer. And, and uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, who I'm partners with in our great brand, Rock and Brews. Yeah. And uh, uh, they they're out on the road uh, and uh, they 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 just want to continue to perform. It's uh, if you're lucky enough to uh, they have told me this. I'm not a musician and don't play an instrument and don't get on stage. But if you're an artist and you're on stage and while you're singing, if the audience starts to sing with you, it is the most rewarding. Um, uh, I'm reminded of John Denver. Uh, John Denver, is, the audience would sing with John. They knew his songs and uh, and uh, they knew his songs all over the world. We would be in Germany. Or when we went to Rome. And right. we're sitting there with John and Annie Denver. And we're sitting on the... John's still losing. No, no, via Veneto. Via Veneto. And he pulls out his guitar, and everyone is singing Everyone country in the restaurant roads. starts to sing with him, Take Me Home, Country Roads. See. And uh, it, 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 uh, as you're talking about those moments, and uh, it's, her, it's, it's, we're all in sync, and here we are. In Italy, right, and and everybody is speaking English and singing his song, and you know it's really, it's truly the lyrics, and I don't know why, but I do believe the music of our era, the music from that Dave's History playlist, yes, mm-hmm. they're so profound, and they're say, you know, they're they have stood the test of time. Hey, you know? there, there's there's something happening here, hmm. and it's. Not exactly clear. <laughs> There's a man over there, and, and he's saying, "Beware!" So, and uh, you know, as I was listening and reading those lyrics, they, that could be today. Yes, you know, I mean, it's like there's, you know, well, things- what we've been through with COVID. You know, oh. I mean, to me, that song. Listen to that song again. How it. Uh, corresponds to just what we've been dealing with for over two years and yes. what families have dealt with and and maybe lyrics and music can well and, certainly and that's you know the, oh, the, my goodness. the title for this podcast Dre came up with it because uh, you know as I was growing up music has always been very important so I used to make mixtapes on CD on tapes <laughs> then when we started yeah. dating it was uh, mixed CDs and then now it's like a Spotify mix. So for the listeners, because right. part of this podcast is going to be, with your permission, sharing that, that Spotify playlist that you made yes. for Dave's Thank 75th you. birthday. Yeah. Thank so you. Can you tell us? So uh, I, I ran through it. It's three hours. Amazing, uh, amazing songs kind of chronicling your, your, your yes. history, right? So Beautiful. can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it was just recent that you... 
you celebrated your uh, you know uh sandy and i have done this a couple of times in our life where you know we we sit out on our deck and uh we take out the the now iPhones and uh, we we go and say, well, during yeah, let's start at the summer of love. Mm -hmm. And uh, the summer of love was 1967. So when when I saw that uh, the Buffalo Springfield was released in 1966, I was you know, it, it was just uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I was lucky enough to be the tour manager for uh uh crosby stills nash and young's uh uh stadium show it was the first time uh that an, a group was so big that we could actually sell out stadiums and so this was the summer of 1974 okay crosby stills nash and young with those great songs oh, uh and uh uh it was stephen stills that wrote uh uh Buffalo Springfield. They yeah. wrote the song uh, yeah. uh, uh, that oh, I'm forgetting the name now, but you know what? Something's happening. Something's happening mm -hmm. here. And yeah, for yeah, what for it's what worth. It's worth. Mm -hmm. And uh, but uh, so we we would Sandy and I sit around and play this, and like the two of you play these songs, and I would well up, and she <laughs> would well up, and we would remember a moment or a, an experience mm -hmm. that that song uh, reminded us of. I remember, you know, when we were at the last waltz and this was the last time that um, the band was going to play, they were breaking up. And so at Winterland, it's the last waltz, Mar Martin Scorsese uh, produced it. <laughs> and it was the first time that we both fell in love with Van Morrison. And it pops uh, up a lot on the he, playlist. He stole the show. He, he just really did. did. You, you know? know, and uh, you know, when you're when when there's a stage full of greats, because there were a lot of greats at the last waltz, but uh Van Morrison did steal the show. Uh, it was Caravan, turn it up. Wow. And he kept going over and over, turn it up, turn it up. <laughs> and uh, uh and he turned up the whole audience. Everybody just uh, uh, and and, but you know, I want to mention Pink Floyd. Oh, so <laughs> Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd came to Winterland, and I was down in my office, and one of the fans came in and said, "Hey, they're taking the seats out of the top row." Okay, and I said they can't do that, and I go up there and. They said, well, if we can't do it, I, there's not going to be a show tonight. Okay. And I go, well, all right, then if it's that important. So I go back to my office. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon now, several hours later. And I start to hear what sounds like a race car going around the building, inside the building. Okay. And so this noise up on the top, it was the first time any of us had ever heard surround sound and no. they invented it and Seriously. so they were gonna, they were going to perform that for the first time that when you know I would perform it for us but i mean and they did it at every show but uh you know uh sound and technology and uh those bands they were leading edge technologists and doing things <coughs> that were so cool. So That's wait, insane. Sandy, wait, Dave, did, did Dre get to y'all before this? Cause I, I know in the email she had sent uh, uh, with the pandemic, uh, my, uh, my daughter was at my mom's house cleaning up some stuff and found some old treasured uh, concert t-shirts. And this was one <laughs> I, I, I wrestled it back from her. It's oh. 1987 Pink Floyd. The American tour. I saw it at, at Tampa Stadium. The, uh, I was 16 at the time, a junior in high school. Had my little friends. That was a glorious year. I got to see you two play in Tampa Stadium. Pink Floyd with a big, you know, inflatable pig that just drifted down from the top <laughs> right, of the stadium right, into right. the middle. And it was I, after that. I was hooked. I was like, "This is it. 
concerts became a passion and occasional merch Price became a, top, a, that I, I try to keep and uh and treasure well, like tell while, while while this was all you know happening spontaneously uh at winterland my brother del ferrano was just getting ready to graduate from uh stanford and we had the rolling stones coming to winterland and uh we we did he we decided that we were going to make uh, t-shirts so we had this psychedelic marquee shirt and in it it had a four rows four rows where you could put the artist's name in it and this was uh, the rolling stones and stevie wonder uh doing four shows at winterland and so my brother and i were up those stenciling on that t-shirts you know, uh, uh, Rolling Stones and uh, uh, and Stevie Wonder. Okay. Well, those vintage T-shirts today they sell uh, regularly for a thousand dollars. But uh, what what we learned that night is at the end of the show we said, hey, you know, we got to bring some of these back to the band. So we went backstage, my brother and I, and we brought ten or so T-shirts. And a thousand dollars cash, huh. and we gave a thousand dollars to Peter Rudge, the Rolling Stones manager at the time. And he goes, "Boy, do I love you guys!" And he gave <laughs> us a big, hug, a big hug up. And I said to him, "You know, we could do this for you every night." He says, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, come on." And so we shook hands. The next day. We were representing the merch for the Rolling Stones, and my brother and I were in a station wagon following the band, nice. carrying, you know, with full of T-shirts. We had a station wagon that we rented, and uh, and then we go, well, we got to do that more often. Mm-hmm. So it became <laughs> our new way of. When a band would play Winterland, we would go backstage, bring a thousand dollars cash to the manager, bring T-shirts to everyone, mm-hmm. and no one was doing this. They there weren't were doing no, that. This was brand new. Gosh. This was brand new. What year was uh, this? Spontaneous. Well, uh, this was well. That was 1972, the Rolling Stones show, wow. and we were selling some T-shirts uh, before that, just at Winterland. Mm-hmm. Uh, her big brother in the holding company, yeah, for the, great, for the for the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead uh, uh, was probably technically our first uh, uh, client. Uh, my brother, uh, 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 Susila Kreutzmann, uh, the, uh, the drummer's wife. That was her job, and it kind of got bigger than she could handle. And she asked us if we would you know, take over and manage the uh, merchandise for the Grateful Dead. And uh, uh, and and when I say merchandise, at the time, it was T-shirts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tie-dye T-shirts were the Grateful Dead. That that Pink Floyd shirt that you just brought up there, what, in 19... That was 1987. 1987. 1987. So that is uh, uh, 20 years after the Summer of Love. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, and... Pink Floyd remains one of my favorite uh, bands of all yeah. times, for sure. And uh, but um, uh, you know, I've just really been lucky enough. Uh, we produced the last concert for Led Zeppelin in America. So the last concert in America was a day on the green uh, in uh, uh, Oakland, California. Uh, Led Zeppelin two shows sold out. 55,000 people. Uh, I've seen Robert hours. Plant, but never the, the whole band. Yeah. Man. Wow. This is, I mean, the- yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I feel, so many I feel blessed and lucky and grateful to have had such a great job. Right. I mean. And, uh, you know, so I bet you have more questions. I though. do. Yes. I do. Well, yeah, I, I, I just, I, well, I have a, a, like, I guess a reflection, if you will. So, you know, growing up when we would hear like stuff about summer of love, like, cause I remember being a child and hearing like, cause I was born in 74 and I would hear things about 
you know, summer of love and things. I guess as a child, I thought it meant like, you know, like, like love, love, like between like two people, like intimate, like, or I don't know, sexual love, but that's not at all what it was about. It was really truly about humans coming together and being vulnerable and being very open and honest with, hey, you need something, can I help you? All, you know, all creeds, all colors. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I- yeah. But it was a time of turmoil and marching in the streets. The Vietnam I, War. I was actually in the army uh, in, in, in 1967. And I had gotten stationed at the Presidio and uh, just by accident, it was this spontaneous combustion. And so the being in the army in the daytime and then going down to work at Winterland at night, you know, there the the people were burning their draft cards in the streets, and they was if you were in the military, you weren't the most popular with young people mm-hmm. at, at the time, and uh, uh, and so it was just a lot of a, a lot of a lot of turmoil. The the love, the summer of love really was you know scott mckenzie if you're going to san francisco be sure to wear a flower in your ear mm-hmm. and uh uh and they they ended up uh, uh at golden gate park and in the hate ashbury mm-hmm. and they were hippies and uh, uh i mean they were co- they were all college students so all these college kids came to san francisco the summer of love and uh and it was, you know, hand out a flower to somebody instead of maybe something mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Magical. And with all this passion, now can you talk to us a little bit about the cool brews? The the new projects that you're you're yeah. working with and, and some of your well, you know, rock and brews. Uh, rock and well, brews, yes. Yeah. So I I was uh I, I want to start in in london and i want to say 1977 or 78 i'm not quite sure the uh john denver i'm in london with john denver and he's got three or four sellouts at wembley stadium and he says i want to go to this american hamburger place called the hard rock cafe okay excuse me so we go there and the owner comes out to meet john and introduce himself and he says well why don't you come to dad's after the show i don't know who dad is Hmm. and uh but john says sure that'd be great so we go do the concert it's 11 o'clock at night or so and now we're going to dad's well dad's is the original morton's of london so uh, you've heard of morton steakhouse well this uh, this is the beginning of all of that and so uh peter morton is the son of the Mortons and he has started this hard rock cafe. And, uh, you know, I said, my brother and I are in the t-shirt business and we can get you memorabilia and maybe you'll buy t-shirts from us. Mm -hmm. Well, he ended up buying hundreds of millions of dollars worth of t-shirts from us. And the phenomenon of the hard rock cafe was they did 60% merchandise and 40% food and beverage. Wow. So you remember those t-shirts? Yes. All the oh, hard rock Miami, hard rock. And then Wars. Hong Kong or yes. London. Yeah. yeah. So I said, well, when I grow up, I want to open a rock and roll restaurant and bar and uh celebrate music, of course, but sure. sell t-shirts. So in 19 or 12 years ago, uh I was applying to get a rock and brews or this brand new idea into LAX. And in talking to Gene Simmons, I, my brother and I had worked for kiss. We were in the licensing business. So as our career grew, we, we started licensing for bands. They, they wanted to sell more than just t-shirts and we started licensing other things, Mm -hmm. other apparel, all coffee cups, merchandise. Sure. And uh, uh, Gene said, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to welcome, I want to welcome people to America. And I want them to know that rock and roll is an American uh, uh, 
brand. Uh, we created, we invented rock and roll. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know if the Who and uh, and uh, you know Pink Floyd and the Rolling Stones would necessarily agree. But as right. far as Gene wanted to point out that it was Elvis, it was. Uh, 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 you know, John Chuck Beger, Berry. Chuck Berry, mm-hmm. you know, he wanted everyone to know that, you know, rock and roll was an American. Uh, uh, and so having Gene all of a sudden as a as a partner. And when you're partners with Gene, you're also partners with uh, uh, Paul Stanley. Okay. Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons are, you know, kiss. And uh, uh, and I'm so grateful for them and their years of willingness to come with us and now rock and bruise is just getting ready to announce a, you know our new hotel casino the rock and bruise hotel casinos and so uh our brand continues to grow yeah national international or both uh, national national uh uh we've got 20 locations but we're just this year opening up four more casinos rock and bruise casinos and it's new rock and bruise hotel my gosh i mean with your connections what kind of bands do you get to book at your own place well you know at at rock and bruise uh it's primarily recorded music okay and what we wanted to do was we wanted to recreate the concert experience and so we we start with a music video, the official music video. Okay. And, it, you know, so of, of any song, of any band, we start with that. And then we would go and license uh, photographs. So when a rock and roll band tours, tours America or the world, there are local photographers. Mm-hmm. And those local photographers, like when you get to New Orleans, the local photographers take pictures down on the stage. And so after this is all over and years goes by, these images end over in what's called Getty Images. Mm-hmm. So when you go to Getty Images and you type in Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. you'll see photographs from Chicago and St. Louis and New Orleans and New York and London and, you know, everywhere they played. So, we would license those images that people that weren't in those cities never saw those images. And we per- would perform simultaneously with the music, the music, this slideshow. So it's a real experience. It's great. And, then the, amazing. and the words, the lyrics, we, we always celebrate the lyrics in every song. So while the songs are being performed, we perform on different monitors the the lyrics. We perform a slideshow. Mm-hmm. And then we try. The song is always about something, about a girl, about a family, about an experience. And so we try to make some art or video of the essence of the song. And then we add lights and you know, moving lights, the kind of things that you would experience at a uh, at an actual live concert. But we, yeah, and then we it's, have live music. We have live music on the weekends. You know, uh, well, hopefully there'll be one opening up around ready. this area. Yes, hopefully we. Yes, we. We're all so so the. First of all, it almost sounds like synesthesia in in action. Like you're like the visual, the the I audio. Mean, Yes. I mean, just, and I mean, you had me at lyrics right there. Like that's the whole point behind this entire podcast is, I mean, just when we first met, he, he was more of like the rhythm and the sound. And she I was taught like, me a lot about and just I was pay like, attention to what they're saying. Yeah. It's and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so sweet. That makes me think about, you know, like when my grandfather passed, he's like, wait, what in this song? I said, yeah, listen to the lyrics. And he's like, oh, oh I, I didn't like, and when you dig down and they just leap out of the stereo oh, it's yeah. like or when you're at the concert and then tears just start pouring down it it's weird you you said about times and places one of the things Luis uh has brought to our my life and our marriage is travel and so going through the pr- playlist 
I was walking around cooking dinner last night and Whiter Shade of Pale came on oh. and I stood there and I couldn't move because I was brought back. Um, we took a trip to to Egypt and we went from Cairo to Luxor on a train. And I remember being up. We had two small children at the time. And I remember being up just you know, at that point in your life where you're like, um, you have such amazing gratitude that it's almost like you're on the border and edge of fear. Like this feels so good. I have so much and so much to be grateful for. And then you almost take a deep oh. breath. Cause you're like, oh. um, let, let me hold on to this moment. And, and in that moment, I just stood there with the spaghetti sauce burning, um, oh. just crying because it just, it taps into something. It's like a, it's like an audible file in your memories and your heart. And it just, brings your spirit back oh my god yes. yeah well it is our dream both sandy's and mine to bring rock and brews to new orleans and uh uh <laughs> and to and to celebrate new orleans and uh, and continue your heritage of music and your love of music uh uh and there's no other city in the united states mm -hmm that is uh as music oriented as new orleans it's oh my gosh no. thank you. we're gonna i'm trying to hold back kind, my tears on purpose no, yes truly <laughs> oh my okay well, so we'll get a chance we'll get a chance to do this again and you can come to our rock and brews and do more of your podcast um seriously uh, like seriously we will we will be we follow all the artists honestly everyone we've interviewed we've gone off to see them and uh, they're always shocked when they see us in the crowds or the, their manager says hey you know mixtape hope is going to be in the crowd like yeah, they're it's like no we're gonna we're following through so it's a true passion we do <laughs> it's this a true really for yeah we don't get paid for it it, it is the one of the most rewarding things that we do and it's so i guess so your family. So if you had to leave um, some words for, because our children absolutely love, uh, love live music, love music in general. But if you, and I think, I think I know the answer to this question already, but if you had to leave something for the children, this, this next generation, we call this the audible passport. And, and I think you started by saying, you know, if you listen to this song, um, the words of the lyrics of this song, it's kind of applicable to what's happening today. Cause you look at the youth and you see so much unrest, but you see so much potential. They want to make this world a better place. They want change. They have, um, hope, hopefully most of them have the love that everyone deserves. Um, but some of them don't, and it's a struggle. And especially, you know, we, we look at this next generation and you, you pray that they get it right quickly mm -hmm. because you know we're we're heading down that path of being able to and and hopefully yeah being able to to lean on them right and to try to try to find our purpose through them and um is there anything that you'd like to convey to the youth yes the words of your songs i I get lots of artists that will say, what do you think, Dave? And uh, I say, well, I love the beginning of your baby, of the, the birth of your words. And, you know, all songs, all songs have a journey. And, uh, uh, and the journey is first they're written and then the, uh, there's a melody and a rhythm and, music that is attached to it and uh, then it becomes a song but it's really still has a path of uh to grow and it's going to grow to become uh, a concert experience uh where there will be lights and sound <coughs> excuse me again hmm. then there will be a uh <clears throat> there'll be a music video and uh and and so your songs, and I encourage, uh, see, in my day, you know, they released the records on Fridays, and mm -hmm. you'd start listening on Saturdays to hear the new releases. And uh, today, it's TikTok. You know, uh, you, you're, if you're going to be a big star today, you're going to be a viral TikTok uh, sensation, uh, right? 
Yeah. You know, you're going to be, uh, you know, Applebee's. What is it? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, All the lingo. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, the you're gonna you're gonna be a catchy little uh, song uh, that is gonna take the world by storm. And just one of the things, you know, your question is, what is the message to the youth, the children? You know, how music, I just think music can be so healing. Oh, my God. Yes. And, you know, it. we need that today. Yes. I mean, with what we have been dealing with in the last Certainly. several years, but three years, and then now what's going on and the wars and this, the unrest and the political it's like music can be healing, can be comforting. And I think, you know, Dave's biggest thing, too, is to is to dream, you know. And um, he is called in our company in Rock and Brews. He's the chief visionary officer. Uh, and I just love yes. that because he, he does. He dreams big. Yeah. And um, well, and I'm now dreaming uh, uh, for New Orleans. Uh, it is such a music city. It is so loved by uh, America and the world. And uh, my good friends uh, over at uh, Concerts West, uh, you know, are now the producers of uh, the jazz festival. And I'm so happy to see that uh, hundreds of thousands of people are coming to New Orleans to experience music and go to the clubs I'm going to be, uh, Sandy and I are going to be speaking at, uh, I think it's called the Coliseum, uh, somewhere in New Orleans. On Thanksgiving on Day. Thanksgiving, where they're celebrating the last waltz. And because uh, we were there and, mm -hmm. you know, we were a part of the movie and a part of the experience, uh, we, we fed uh, at the actual uh last waltz we fed 4000 people a turkey dinner before the show okay. and so it was you know a real it was and is my greatest joy to serve and uh serve dinner to our customers and so communal, right everybody coming share together breaking joy, breaking share bread the joy of the music in all of our rock and brews we have a big sign and who said, I think Bob Dylan said, you've got to serve somebody. Yeah. Everybody's oh. somebody. somebody. And, uh, oh. and, uh, but, uh, well, not, uh, yeah, Bob Dylan is everybody serves somebody, but then we also are, are, as, uh, we, we are serving those who rock, which is an ACDC, uh, uh, song. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, and I look forward to being, uh able to do more with your podcast and sandy and i are available to you we uh thank you love alita and we love uh the, the zollingers our zollinger uh relatives down there and look forward to getting to be there more often well anytime that you're is, in we'd be happy to meet you we would be honored yes. we're so we're not traveling during thanksgiving because wherever they're going to be speaking <laughs> <laughs> um, I will tell you, I literally just sitting here and, you know, you'll have to visit, um, Alita's seen it, but we, this, this studio is literally right above our clinic where we see patients, but I love your mantra that Sandy shared with us. Life is a beautiful thing, especially when you own a beer garden and <laughs> we are planning, there's outside of the studio, we keep saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like just kind of decorative artistic. I think we should start. I think we should start a lyrical wall. And I think in the middle of it should be that quote because it really is. It just, it sums, it sums up so much of who you all are. Just life is beautiful. See, it, it's And you can't see it. So Dre likes to spring new ideas on me. So when we <laughs> okay, yeah, out, you haven't heard that. <laughs> that's a new one, that, but I like okay. it because, you know, well, we I, had the wall of rock and I love <laughs> your lyric wall. And my, my, send them that we, my suggestion to you. Okay is when we started, when we did our first Great Wall of Rock, we did it with art and canvas. And later, we did it with monitors. And we made the monitors look like art. So you thought that it was just an art piece on the wall oh. until we changed the song. 
Nice. And when you change the song, all of the art changes to that song. And, and so, those artists. See, and it, so technology is amazing. You know, you, you get you you get to wow. The when when and you really only need the music and the lyrics. They're so powerful that uh that the, and when you get to read the words along while it's being played, you know, it's pretty hard to understand Mick Jagger sometimes when he's singing those songs. And so when you see them written out, you get to understand them a little yeah. better. Oh, well, my goodness. I, I think something has started right something. here. You, you witnessed it right <laughs> here. The- right next to it. So. Oh, my goodness. You all are just a beautiful, beautiful spirit, human beings and couple. And, and I yeah. just, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, a, it's literally a match made in heaven. I just see the smiles. I know for our audience, this is, uh, this is beautiful. Yes, Life is thank beautiful. Thank you so much for we giving us so your time humbled. and well, thank energy. You. Yes. And, and hope- we have lots more stories. So we look forward to yeah, we look seeing forward, you we look, again. Well, we I hope this forward- is the beginning of many and you all are kicking off yes. our third season, which yes. is so exciting and so inspiring. Right. And, we, we hope this is the beginning of, of many things. And we, we got to visit. We have to visit Rock and Bruce. Yeah. Right. Yes. Thank well, you. When you, when, when you Thank do, you. you just let us know. And we will surely fuss all over you. <laughs> and um, uh, and uh, don't hesitate to, you know, when you maybe get on to Rock and Bruce, grab any of the artwork, grab any of the things to add to your your expression uh, of us. Uh, and Okay. And. You know, just feel Definitely. free to go ahead and take that and show oh my it for the podcast. Thank you. Yes, you are we can't wait phenomenal. to share this with, with wow. everybody. Yes, cannot Thank wait. You. Thank you so much. Thank much love, so sending much. out our love and hearts to y'all. Okay. We look forward to seeing you next time. Can't wait. Right. Yes, Today, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you all very much. Awesome. Special thanks to our producer, John Gerard. And our coordinating manager, Olivia Olson. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Mixtape Hope Podcast. <laughs>